The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Leach Report. And there are some technical issues going on at the old iHeart Complex there in Louisville at home base with the um, Internet connections for the show. So uh, that's why it sounds a little different today. So bear with us. It could get fixed at some point during the show. Um, but we have no way to know if that's going to happen yet. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that it does. In the meantime... We'll go this route. Coming up on the show today, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, longtime college football writer, will uh, join the program to talk about name, image, and likeness, the college football playoff expansion, uh, Kentucky football under Mark Stoops, etc. Kent Spencer, WHAS TV, and Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forbes Churchill Downs closes out its spring meet tomorrow with a big day. Several graded stakes races, including the Stephen Foster. So we'll talk with Marty about uh, that and some other racing topics. That's our guest lineup. Let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day, and that's presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. Big news yesterday came out of Frankfurt. Governor Brashear signing an executive order that gives student-athletes in Kentucky the opportunity to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Uh, this is the executive order is similar to the laws passed in a handful of other states. And this uh, makes Kentucky uh, not at any disadvantage uh, going into recruiting cycles and things that are coming up. Uh, the NCAA is expected to <coughs> come out with something next week before the state laws go into effect on July 1st, but there's no way to know for sure if that's going to happen. So Kentucky is been proactive here. I was reading a story yesterday, I think it's uh, Ross Dellinger, who we've mentioned before, has covered this story uh, very well for sportsillustrated.com and uh, at si.com. And uh, I saw one of his stories yesterday that uh, it's actually the uh, the student athletes on the couple of these NCAA committees that are pushing back on the latest proposal from, from the NCAA about basically removing them from the equation in the short term until maybe Congress passes something and let it be handled you know, state by state or league by league. And uh, the players uh, on these committees want some universal guidance uh, for all uh, student-athletes across the country to be able to deal with. So it was just kind of uh, a little ironic that the players were the ones pushing back on that. So there's going to be a lot to sort through with this. So I think good that Governor Bashir took the action that he did yesterday with support from both sides of the political aisle and uh, with praise from all the, the major universities to get this uh, in place for the schools in Kentucky not to be at any competitive disadvantage uh, as they move forward. Mitch Barnhart's scheduled to talk to the media later this afternoon, so we'll get uh, his take from the UK AD. A big visit this weekend for UK basketball recruiting Jalen Duran. Um, arguably the uh, top player in the class of 2023 is uh, talking about reclassifying, and he's taking some visits, and reportedly he's going to be at Kentucky this weekend. 
I was at Memphis earlier this week. I think Miami before that. Uh, still hadn't decided, you know, if he for sure about reclassifying or he could go the G League route, something like that. But if he goes to college, there's a thought that Kentucky could be a major player to land him for this upcoming season, uh, 6'10 uh, center. So that would be quite a pickup. Rivals recruiting writer Mike Farrell ranked the top ten quarterback transfers for the upcoming season. He has Will Levis at number seven, said he, quote, likes his swagger and his fit for Kentucky. Phil Steele's preseason all-SEC team in his uh, annual yearbook includes several Wildcats. Darian Kennard in the O-line is first-team preseason all-SEC, according to Steele. Uh, two Wildcats on the second team, Yusuf Corker at safety, and Josh Ali is a punt returner. Third team, Wandale Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, Marquan McCall, DeAndre Square. Fourth team, uh, Jordan Wright. Um, I think Josh Pascal's a guy that uh, should get some um, recognition on a team like that. Uh, and think will, by the, especially if you're talking about down to a fourth team, uh, by the time this season's over. But I can understand that the numbers aren't there uh, for preseason. But I do think Pascal's a guy that could have the kind of year where he could get all SEC uh, consideration. And like Ron, Wandell Robinson could definitely be higher than uh, than third team. You would say maybe what about Chris Rodriguez? And that's certainly possible, too. Um, it's going to depend on uh, what the, the running back numbers look like. And for both guys like Robinson and Rodriguez to get – uh, more recognition on things like all SEC teams. It'll depend on how potent Kentucky's offense is and how good, uh, the, how well the season goes for Kentucky. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We are heading to a break. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Their new downtown location is open. And uh, Main Street, across from the Rough Arena Construction. Download that Clark's Pump and Shop app to check out their weekly specials. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Quarter past the top of the hour, we welcome in Tony Barnhart to the program, Mr. College Football. In fact, it's at Mr. CFB on Twitter where you can follow him, and longtime college football writer. So you've seen a, a lot of changes, Tony, come and go through this game. Uh, this is a, a very tumultuous time in college sports with uh, first uh, all the transfers that everybody's been dealing with, and now the uh, coming uh, arrival of name, image, and likeness, and mm-hmm what changes that's going to bring about. So I said yesterday the worst job to have right now is probably a compliance director for one of these schools where all this is kind of dumped in your lap. There's no question. I talk, I've talked to some people who are in, going to be in the – who have companies that are going to help the compliance people, who are going to help the, uh, the players and things of that nature. And, and early on, it's going to be – I don't – I don't want to exaggerate, Tom, and say it's going to be the wild, wild west, but this, we're going to, everybody's going to do a lot of learning on the fly uh, about what you can, what you can't do, and what it all means. And so, yeah, this uh, we are we are in interesting times for sure. And I would imagine uh, probably uh, a good bit of um, I don't know if pushing the envelope is is the right phrase, but you know where people will figure, okay, I'll just uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission on something. I'll try this, and then if they tell me I can't do it, then I'll deal with that. 
that is that is the nature of the games uh, that you would push the envelope as far as you can. Now, uh, the compliance you mentioned the compliance folks. They, a lot of this is going to fall on them because the way it's supposed to work is that let's just take a private company and uh, they represent. Tom Leach, the outstanding running back from Lexington, Kentucky. And the car dealer wants you to come out there and stay two hours once a week. And in exchange for that, they would give you the use of a dealer car uh, for a month. And every month that you do it, you get the use of a dealer car. Now, the way it's supposed to work is that the, the, there's an intermediary company that reports to the University of Kentucky and here's here's the deal we have made on behalf of Tom Leach, and here here's what the payment was. And we get it, it, there's a way it's supposed to work. Now, will it work that way? Well, we'll see. Yeah, it's and uh, unfortunately, probably a lot of those compliance directors, and maybe they'll have to even add more staff. Are going to have to you know be on yeah. try to be on top of that uh, as best they can, um, and then do you think the NCAA? Because I was reading, uh, I think I mentioned earlier. Uh, Ross Dellinger's story at SI.com about some, ironically, athlete pushback on uh, some of the uh, proposals, I guess, uh, the proposal that Greg Sankey and some others put forth to have a lot fewer restrictions. And it's, uh, according to Dellinger's story, the athletes that have uh, pushed back right now about wanting some more clear guidance on what can be done and, and what can't moving forward. And uh, after that Supreme Court decision, I don't know that the NCAA was going to want to do that. What do you think? No, I, I, I wrote this in a column. I said the court, the court's ruling, not old ruling, early this week was narrowly constructed about you know what, a, what what's the value you can place on a scholarship and what can be included. But what the court really told in its opinions that it written, they basically told the NCAA, your business model doesn't work anymore, and you do not want to come back before us on any of these issues. And so I, I think the, the ball is in the athlete's court. Now, you know the schools, what the, what they do, Tom, is going to be as strict and as stringent and as as possible because that way you feel like you get a better handle on things. So this, yeah, this, this, this is just beginning, and uh, the conflict has just started. Have you heard any guess as to what kind of numbers – athletes could be looking at uh is it closer to 10,000 for a lot of guys is it closer to 100,000 for a lot or for a few i talked to a couple of guys who are in the business right now and they said we if anybody tells you they have they know it's no they have no idea because what has to happen is you have a name image and likeness as an athlete but somebody has to want to use your name image and likeness okay and you just don't know. Nobody knows what the market is really going to be until the market is given the green light to go. So nobody knows what it's going to. You would assume logic will tell you that the superstar athletes would get most of the early opportunities because of the name recognition factor, and they they will already have a strong following on social media. But nobody really knows what the opportunity is going to be. Uh, I'm fascinated by being told that women's sports are going to do really, really well in this. And that that's another story for another day, but it's it's got a lot of layers to it. As you've talked to coaches, uh, what's their concern level in terms of how it will impact their programs? Right. I, mean, I, think, I think the number one concern, well, there's two. 
number one concern is compliance. You know, have you violated NCAA rules in the process? And that's that's the reason that these schools are hiring these companies. Not only do they do they do the work, but they they make sure that compliance is all buttoned up. That's number one. Number two concern is the impact it's going to have on the locker room. Uh, star quarterback gets a lot of stuff going his way. Offensive tackle who protects the quarterback's blind side, eh, not so much. How does that impact the locker room? I've talked to some coaches that said, you know what? These guys are here to get an education and to work on getting to the NFL. So it's in their best interest to play as well as they can. There's really no time for that kind of jealousy, but people are human. But those are the two primary concerns. Tony Barnhart's with us. Take a quick break. I want to talk about the college football playoff expansion, a little about Kentucky football this season as well. It's the Leach Report for Friday. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Yeah, with Tony Barnhart at Mr. CFB on Twitter. Where else can folks find your work, Tony? Uh, we have a website that's under the si.com umbrella, and it's si.com dot slash TMG. TMG stands for the Media Guide. So. SI.com slash colleges slash TMG. Uh, me and two of my business partners, we, we, we have, we write three or four times a week. Great, uh, content to consume as we get closer to the start of another college football season and the talk of, uh, an expansion. Um, do you like the, what they're talking about in terms of an expanded playoff or, and go, and are you surprised they are going from four to 12? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, yes. I, I, we, I, we all assumed. Well, I'm not going to say we all, but I, I assumed that we would eight use eight would be the next logical uh, conclusion. But as when the field of twelve was announced, and you start talking to people, you better understand why. The bottom line, Tom, is that four worked for the SEC. It had done well under the 14 format. Eight did not work. Oddly enough, eight did not work as well. Uh, it, it, as Commissioner Sankey said, it, it did not resonate with them. The SEC put its weight behind 12, and once I had a chance to talk to them, I understand why why they did that. Because if they expanded from four to eight, uh, those slots would have been a couple. At least a couple of those would have been taken up by what, like a group of five and and another Power Five winner, and so the chance of getting a second SEC team in might have been lessened. No question, no question. You 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 were going to have at least five conference champions in there, if not more. Uh, a group of five team may have had a spot there. Notre Dame may have had a, may have had a spot there. Next thing you look up, there's only one spot left. The twelve team format has six conference champs and six at large. That gives well, it's real simple. Let's go back to last year. If this had been in place last season, in the COVID season, the SEC would have gotten four teams in the playoffs. They had four teams ranked in the top nine, so they would have gotten four. It is it, it just a better overall deal for the SEC. A program like Kentucky in 2018 could have, you know, would have been in contention for a playoff yep. spot. Um, so it can happen for Kentucky, but they, you know, what Mark Stoops is building here is is not yet to the point where they would be in that position every year. So, do you would you think a bowl system would survive in some fashion? I think parts of it will, but the marketplace is going to ultimately decide that. 
the mid-level bowls, if they can still – the concern is is that when the 12-team playoff becomes a reality, you, you're going from three playoff games, semifinals and finals, to 11 playoff games. And that's where the money's going to go. Uh, that's going to dominate the conversation. And the concern is the finances to, to do some of these bowls. ESPN, obviously, these bowls are important as a source of programming for ESPN, so they're going to survive. But it, uh, I, I can't believe that 40 bowls are going to make it uh, after this. As you uh, look at the upcoming SEC season, what's your uh, assessment of Kentucky and what the uh, upside might be? I think Kentucky is going to get some love at the top, near the top of the SEC East, because the obviously Georgia, Georgia is the overwhelming favorite in the SEC East. But after that, everybody I talked to, and I believe that the, I think I think it's Florida, Kentucky, and Missouri are in the next tier that we're going to talk about. Florida's got, I think they return only nine total starters. Uh, they've got work to do. They've got a new quarterback, lots going on. I think there's the opportunity for a Kentucky or a Missouri to make some noise in the East. So I think, I think Kentucky's going to, you know, if they get the quarterback play they hope to get under the new offense, I, I think they've got a chance to challenge. And if, I'm, if my memory serves me right, uh, Kentucky has Florida and Alabama, uh, and, uh, they're on the road. They get Georgia at home. They got Florida at home and Georgia at home. Right? No, they're at Florida. Excuse me. Bottom no, no, line, I they, think they've got, they got they've Florida got in Lexington, but they go to Georgia. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, Tony, um, with um, Florida being maybe a little vulnerable, starts to underscore that second week of the season. That Kentucky Missouri game is going to be huge. Oh, absolutely. The the Kentucky Florida Missouri trio there. All of those games are going to be huge because again, I think Georgia's going to win it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think th- those will be must-see TV. At Mr. CFB on Twitter, and then it's si.com slash – give me the rest of it. Si.com slash colleges. That puts you onto the college page, slash TMG. I'll send out a link during the uh, break here so you guys can know where to find that content. Tony, thank you much. All right, Tom. Good to see you. We're halfway home on this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, then Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV in Louisville. Coming up in the second half when we return. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. From the Clarks Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington, it is the second half of the Leach Report. Marty McGee joins us from the Daily Racing Forum, DRF.com, to talk about closing weekend at Churchill Downs, a bunch of stakes races tomorrow. Um, and, uh, Marty, this is a fantastic card. Yeah, it really is, Tom. How are you? Uh, Doing congratulations well. on your on your alma mater. Uh, <laughs> seems like this is a new thing that your alma mater is going to uh, benefit from, but anyway. Uh, now, there's going to be some great racing uh, tomorrow on closing day at, at Churchill. As a matter of fact, today, Friday, we have the uh, we have uh, Art Collector coming back in action. He's been off since the Breeders' Cup last fall at Keeneland. He's in a seven-furlong race at the uh, 10th of 11 today at Churchill. And tomorrow we have seven stakes headed by the Florida Lee, which uh, features a leading filly and mare in the country in Latruska. 
And then the Stephen Foster at the 11th of 12 uh, tomorrow evening, right about 6 o'clock, uh, with, uh, featuring Maxfield, who we all know was one of the top candidates for the Derby last September before he got hurt last June at Keeneland. And, uh, yeah, he's really doing good. He's won six out of seven, and he's one of the top older horses in the country as we speak. And just looking at that race in the Foster, it, it seems hard to make a case for anybody other than Maxfield, right? Yeah, I mean, he's... The, both of these favorites, Latruska in the Fleur de Lis and Maxfield in the Stephen Foster, they're both listed at four to five. I imagine that he will be lower odds than she because it just doesn't seem like there's much up against him, even though there are eight against him and only five against Latruska. Uh, he sure looks like the, uh, the class of the field. He won the Ali Sheba on the Oaks undercard. Uh, at one to two, I imagine he'll be two to five or so. And I actually, my story for the Saturday editions of the form, uh, I noted that, uh, we've had a number of real heavy favorites win the Foster, notably, um, Curlin in 2008, he paid 280. And then we had Gunrunner, uh, in 2017, he paid $3. Both of those horses, uh, used the Foster when it was a grade one. It's now grade two, uh, as a stepping stone to horse of the year honors. And, you know, Maxfield's going to uh, probably try to chart that same course to, you know, win the Breeders' Cup Classic, win this race, win something, the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the year and do that. Um, the uh, three-year-old group um, will um, be in a position to have some say in that, perhaps. And after the, the Triple Crown shakes out, uh, Essential Quality, I guess, is still the uh, the leader of the three-year-old division as he was coming into the year, right? Yeah, he was, and it's funny, last November, Jay Pridman put this out on Twitter, uh, that uh, after all these months talking about the Belmont Stakes, the results 1-2 were Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie. They were the 1-2 finishers back in the juvenile in, in early November uh, last year at, at Keeneland. So uh, we've gone around in circles a lot, but uh, boom, uh, we've ended up with the same horses there. But, yeah, uh, Essential Quality, it looks like he and Hot Rod Charlie will both uh, end up in the Travers. That's on August 28th at Saratoga. That's going to be the big summit meeting before we go forward toward the Breeders' Cup Classic, which is on November 7th being held at Del Mar this year. The last time we had it at Del Mar, first and only time we had it at Del Mar was 2017. And um, this race, uh, both these races tomorrow, the Florida Lee and the Stephen Foster, both are winning your ends toward the, uh, their respective races in the Breeders' Cup, although Latruska already got her win on your end by winning the Ogden Phipps on the Belmont Stakes undercard uh, three Saturdays ago. You mentioned how heavy a favorite uh, she is in the Florida Lee and Maxfield in the Foster. I would think set piece of his last race will be a uh, pretty good favorite, not as strong as the other two, but uh, still a, a favorite and the grade two wise Dan. So of those three, any of them vulnerable? I think set piece more so than the others. I don't know what his morning line is. He's he's uh, drawn in post one in a field of ten. It's it's really a, a well matched uh, renewal of the uh, of the wise Dan. It's the tenth of twelve. By the way, Tom, the twelfth of twelve in the last race of the meet is the Teppan for three year old fillies on the turf, and everybody has to leave Churchill Downs by July the fifth. I'm talking about all the horsemen, horses, everybody. They're redoing the turf course and. Uh, vacating the backside for nine weeks till early September or so. There will no, be no turf racing, at least in September. I don't even think in November at Churchill as they're, uh, they're 
totally redoing the turf course. I don't know if this has been in the local papers. We've had a, a number of things in the racing form about it, uh, but it's caused quite a domino effect in terms of horsemen having to leave and go elsewhere. Ellis, uh, Trackside Training Center, Thurber Training Center in Lexington, Keeneland, uh, even Turfway has 900 souls. Everybody has to leave, and this is really a different scenario uh, since, um, you know, Churchill's been open every summer for these guys to, to base there and race elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's caused a, quite a stir among the uh, backside folk. Is uh, Ellis Park going to benefit from that in terms of their overall racing product? They are. They start on Sunday. They're, they're, they only got 61 horses on an eight-race card to open on Sunday, but Dan Bork had a, a pretty long conversation with him. They expect that uh, as things move along through the summer that they will – have bigger fields, but yes, they're going to be. Uh, they have projected record purses of three hundred fifty thousand dollars a day, and uh, you'll see guys like even Chad Brown has a string that he's taking to Ellis D. Wayne Lucas, Bill Mott, Brad Cox. All all of them are going to be represented down there. So yeah, it should be a, a quality meet. Let me ask you uh, to to weigh in on a Baffert question, and I'll just kind of make it generic and kind of go where you want. I just wonder what you. Th- Maybe see uh, coming uh, because he's starting to you know lose several of his top horses now. Or um, most recently, Life Is Good has been uh, transferred over to Todd Pletcher, who got uh, and Country Grammar was a recent stakes winner for Baffert. They got transferred to Pletcher's barn, so a lot of uh, clients are taking some of their top horses out of his barn. Yeah, I mean Bob's legacy, Tom, is just so tarnished by this. Uh, you know, only history. You know, when we look at this. In the rearview mirror in five years or so, will we know the true scope of, of how damaging this has been? But there's, there's little doubt, uh, that he will, that the days of Bob Baffert reigning supreme are, are, are probably over. He's probably won his last Eclipse Award. He's probably made his last, you know, uh, he's maybe even had his last Kentucky Derby winner. Doesn't get to run it at the next two years. And, uh, you know, he's getting up at age. I think he's going to be 70 in a, in a couple years. So, uh, man, this has just been, we're all still waiting for the other shoe to, to drop in terms of the official disqualification of Medina Spirit from the 2021 Derby. But, uh, in, in the meantime, uh, there's been a lot of revelations of the Washington Post article that came out about a week ago. That was quite damning, uh, in terms of, of Bob's overall body of work. And, uh, you know, just the bottom line is that, uh, this has been uh, quite the quite the unfortunate uh, happenstance for him and, and pretty much everybody else in racing too. For uh, casual fans that are listening, that uh, just kind of know that there's some issue with the Derby and it may be disqualified, is, do we know what the timeline would be when that might happen? No, but I think everybody with the commission have huddled up for weeks now and are making sure that all their Eyes are dotted and T's are crossed before they uh, go forth with the, uh, the official pronouncement of a disqualification. The, the second split sample has come back. Uh, there's been, uh, in the interim, there's been a, a number of uh, lawsuits filed back and forth uh, in terms of uh, what to do with that split sample. It's gotten kind of ludicrous, actually. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I think that the, the commission itself is uh, making wise moves in terms of proceeding as, as slowly, slowly as they have. So, yeah. Well, if somebody needs to make a, a car payment off the Churchill card tomorrow, anybody that they could uh, get uh, get good on? Oh, like gosh. That. You put me on the spot here. Um, let's see here. Uh, the wise Dan, I, I'm going to go against set piece, and I'm going to go with a, a long shot named In Love. He's number 10 with my uh, nephew-in-law, Joe Talamo, riding. He'll be 
15 to 1 or so. Number 10 in the 10th tomorrow, Churchill. There you go. That'll be a nice price. Thank you, Marty. Enjoy the racing. All right, buddy. Anytime. Thank at you. DRF McGee, uh, at DRF McGee, and then DRF.com for Marty's uh, coverage of racing here in Kentucky. Quick break. Ken Spencer from WHAS TV when we come right back. to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Friday edition of The Leach Report, Ken Spencer joins the program from WHAS-TV in Louisville. And uh, let's start with you know, the governor's executive order yesterday puts name, image, and likeness in place for student-athletes here in Kentucky. They don't have to wait to see what might come from the NCAA next week. So what's uh, what's your guess as to what kinds of potholes this might mean? Uh, what kind of, uh, uh, what was, uh, you know, what uh, will be good and bad about this, Kent? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the NCAA and college athletics, we know what kind of business it is. We know what kind of money it brings in. And a lot of times, you know, we, you know, they, they make that money off of the accomplishments and the performances and the personalities of some of their athletes who, you know, outside of a, a, a free education, which is, you know, obviously priceless, um, they don't get compensated for that. So, you know, now, um, you know, players who I would imagine, you know, when, when schools and, and other, you know, factors start selling jerseys, they could put names on the back and, and players can start getting a cut, um, from that. So I, I think that, that part of it is a good thing. I think the sticky part is, um, there's so much to be figured out. You know, now I think the level of maybe bending the rules and maybe finding loopholes and all this other stuff, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is is not only, you know, the NCAA, but conferences and schools, um, they really need to be able to define and have an oversight committee on what exactly is is going on. Um, so, you know, perhaps a player who's only there for a year doesn't get themselves in a bad situation and ends up having to sit. You played college sports. Uh, so give me your take on, uh, from, from, a, from that perspective of, how is team chem? You know, some fans, maybe coaches too, worry about team chemistry being an issue uh, resulting from something like this. Some guys making more money than others. Is that a concern? Will that kind of work itself out in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's. I, I personally don't think it's a concern because I mean, I think if you look at just the next level up, um, right? Like, how many offensive linemen for the Green Bay Packers have endorsement deals? Probably not many, if it, if anybody, you know. But Aaron Rodgers does, and I don't think that creates a rift in that locker room. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody would have had a problem at the University of Kentucky if, when Benny Snell was there doing what he was doing, if he wasn't, you know, getting some some attention. I mean, I think that you know Benny had a had a had a winning personality, or let's say, you know, years and years ago, Anthony Davis. You know, when he when he had the brow and all that stuff, if he was able to to kind of cash in on that, I don't I don't know if anybody would have had a problem over here at U of L. I mean, I don't think anybody on that team would have had a problem with Lamar Jackson 
um, was going to be, you know, either a, a spokesperson or, or making some money off of his likeness. So, I mean, I think deep down in the, you know, look, most, most of these kids on these teams, you know, they know who's going to be, going to be marketable. You know, the, the, the thing for me is not just who can make money and who can't, but, you know, is this also an avenue to teach these kids, you know, how to be financially sound after they leave school and whether that's in professional, um, sports or whether that's moving on because, you know, as we all know, or, or, or people that have played sports, you, you've been in this structure your entire life. And let's say you don't go and play professional sports. That structure is then gone. And so you've got to be able to kind of handle situations and be able to handle your money. If that helps out a little bit, if these schools um, are set up to be able to help their athletes in, in that regard, then I think it's a win-win for everybody. No, I think that uh, that part makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I can see uh, you know a lot of opportunities for you know autograph signings or appearances. Um, I don't know how much you know how much companies are gonna you know commit any large number to a to an athlete, um, especially if, you know one that hasn't maybe is a, a freshman or something hasn't is just coming in with a rep with the risk of you know they may not perform to the rep. Um, so I don't know how many big deals will come as a result of that, but there will be certainly be a lot of money-making opportunities on a smaller scale. The bigger ones, I would think, I don't know uh, what your take is, is, you know, I think about a guy like Zion when he came into college, Zion Williamson, had a huge, massive number of followers. Um, I know there's an athlete at Louisville, I can't remember uh, her name, but she's got a, a large number of Instagram followers. You know, there's probably going to be some potential to make some big bucks for a small number of athletes in that situation, right? And, and I always think of some of these some of these athletes that you know are kind of homegrown and go to the local school. Um, what that can generate, you know, for them. I mean, can you imagine what Rex Chapman would have made at Kentucky yeah. or, or been able to generate? And, and, and or Richie Farmer, could you imagine what Daryl Griffith here in Louisville could have made, um, you know, coming up, you know, through the, through the ranks? Um, Lighted mail. You know, that, and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, you know, I mean, sometimes the, you know, the possibilities may seem, you know, endless, but, you know, the biggest, I think the biggest thing for me is what I look at, and, and especially these, you know, the specific schools in our state. What this means is, is they're no longer where they shouldn't be at a recruiting disadvantage. And not only, you know, in men's basketball, we instantly look at the G League, right, who has has plucked some high-level talent over. Now college basketball is so much more viable to that top-level talent now coming out of high school, even if it is for an absolute year. But I also look at their own conferences. You know, there's states and schools that were already full steam ahead before yesterday when it came to name, image, likeness. Now, Kentucky, Louisville, they're not playing behind as long as, and this is a huge, I think this is a huge thing, Tom, because July 1st is coming right around the corner. Were you prepared? You know, did you already have people within your university already preparing all this? Do you have a plan, or are you just now starting from scratch? I think if you're just now starting from scratch, you're in big trouble. I think if you read the tea leaves and saw this coming for the last year and you were prepared and you had people working on this, then, you know, you're in, you're in a pretty good spot. You know, you're 
point about the, the G League for college basketball, I can see where this could be uh, very helpful to, you know, whether it's Kentucky, U of L, Carolina, Duke, that uh, are at that level where a player's considering the G League and they're like, yeah, well, they could, you know, they can pay you $100,000, but nobody's going to watch you. Nobody's going to be paying any attention. So you're not going to be very marketable. If you come here, you're marketable. And now you can make money off that market. 100%. Yeah. And it gets you ready. You know, it gets you ready for the next stage of the NBA, right? Like teams yeah. have a better have a better knowledge, a better sight. You know, they know what kind of competition you're playing against. Uh, they know what you do under the bright lights, the big stage. Plus, you're able to make you're able to make some cash as well. It'll be interesting times. Can't thank you for the time. Hey, buddy, this is the wild, wild west, and I'm just anxious to see how it all <laughs> plays out. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Ted Spencer, WHAS-TV. We'll take a quick break and uh, come back and wrap up this Friday edition of the Leach Report. A couple of Wildcat birthdays to mention. Former Kentucky basketball player Brandon Stockton celebrating a birthday today. And UK baseball's TJ Collette will celebrate a birthday tomorrow. Kudos to Tyler Hero. He and a couple of assistant coaches the Miami Heat were in a workout when they got the word about the building collapse down there north of Miami, and they dropped what they were doing and uh, delivered supplies. And uh, Tyler, I think, spoke to some of the workers there. So uh, good for uh, good for him for doing that. Derek Lively cut his list of seven schools. Kentucky's on it with Duke and North Carolina, Michigan, Florida State, Southern Cal, and Penn State. And a uh, I'd like to give you a racing pick when we've got a good one uh, around this time on, on Friday. Uh, don't find any nice prices. There's some great racing tomorrow at Churchill. I just couldn't find any surefire uh, prices to throw out to you. But there is one I think is uh, could be a nice price up in the Ohio Derby tomorrow. Proxy, who was a uh, pretty well-regarded three-year-old and then has uh, been on the shelf since early April after a subpar effort at Keeneland. If he comes back strong, he could win that at a nice price in the Ohio Derby. Proxy, that'll do it for us. See you tomorrow, or see you Monday on the Leach Report.